0: Welcome to the Loans on Demand podcast. The show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans on Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today I'm excited because we have Michelle Castle. If you don't see her visually, she's got all kinds of colors in her background. So, you know, basically area manager with Guild Mortgage. And you know what? I'll let her introduce herself from there. She's got a whole slew of things here on her bio, but I'll let her, uh, you know, let you know who she is and what she's about. So, welcome to the show, Michelle.
1: Absolutely. You know, my favorite job is mimi. I've got nine grandkids. So why I do what I do still at this level or at this point in my life, they are my big why. But I also one of my favorite things is just helping people grow. And so I do that through coaching guild. I do that, you know, anytime I have an opportunity to meet with clients, I do that whenever I'm meeting with real estate agents. I just really like to help people see the bigger picture. And mm-hmm. understand or give them hope for what could be.
0: Sure, I love that. And we'll we'll get into some of that mindset stuff we were talking about a couple minutes ago. Yeah. But before we get there, let's talk a little bit about like what got you into the mortgage industry? You know, what has you kind of doing this at such a high level at this point?
1: Does anybody ever go to school and say, I'm going to be a mortgage loan officer? I don't think so. I mean, you do enough of these interviews. I mean, it's always so interesting. I'm sure for you, whenever you ask that question to get the answers yeah. For me, I was working for my dad in the car business. My dad had gotcha. owned car dealerships and I was supposed to inherit car dealerships one day. So I was on that path of being groomed as a car dealer and mm-hmm. worked in all of the departments, even the service department. I mean, like I can listen to your engine and tell you what's wrong with it just because I've been around cars all my entire life. Mm-hmm. But one of the jobs that I did appreciate is the finance side of things. Drives me crazy when people go, "Oh, I used to sell cars. I'm going to be great in mortgage." That's <laughs> not always the case. But I did have sure. a lot of really good background in that part of the industry. And my dad and I had a big falling out, and he fired me. I got fired oh, no. by my dad, which crushed my dreams. Also, so I went <laughs> talk to a friend who had a friend. That was in the mortgage business and just, you know, how does this compare? This mortgage and car business, the finance part of the car business even relate. And fortunately, she hired me and that was in 1996. And I've been in the business ever since. And she still works for me. She hired and trained me, but retired from the business. And I hired her back into the business 11 years ago. So she's still with me today.
0: Well, look at that, you know, how the tables have turned.
1: Just kidding, turn. but
0: that's yeah. that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, and it's funny you said that. I think the only person that's ever said they got in the industry because they wanted to or whatever was because they were, you know, kind of similar to what you said, like they were just someone that came from a mortgage family, right? That's like typically the only time you hear someone's like, oh yeah, I got into the mortgage industry because I've always wanted to be in that industry. Especially as a kid, I don't think anybody's like, I want to be a loan officer. Yeah, I these to, high school kids mortgage. aren't
1: saying, Oh, I'm going to be a mortgage one day.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I know it's interesting how the origin stories start. And, uh, you know, I've always been a sucker for kind of the come up story. So early on, like, what was it like? You know, what was that like at the beginning?
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't easy. It's still not easy. This business is not an easy business. You know, we're not mm-hmm. in it because it's easy, right? Right. We get addicted to it, we get addicted to the, you know, I think about that. You get addicted to the next one, the next deal, the next sure. relationship, the next team lead that you just met with. And now you're going to get all this business. I mean, we get addicted to the dopamine of the drive. Sure. So no, and it changes. I mean, we're back to changes again. How right. we have conversations with real estate agents is different than it was just three months ago. Mm-hmm. The conversations with their customers are different than what it was three months ago. And I think that's what I'm addicted to is just the behavioral changes and how I have to tweak and change my business based on the changes that we're experiencing and how it's affecting other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's huge. Adaptability is probably one of the key factors of being in the mortgage industry, as I'm sure you've seen over the years, you've been through a couple downturns. And, um, you know, I'm I'm sure you've weathered the storm and learned a lot in that period of time. And, you know, like we talked mindset, I think one of the things that I've learned, you know, being an entrepreneur now for since... 2017 is kind of when I went into this and tried a couple different businesses and, but I've learned that typically the best lessons are learned in the hardest times. So if you open up the way you think about challenges to think like, all right, well, what can I learn from these challenges? And yeah, it sucks going through them, but they're also the best lessons. And if you don't fail, if you don't have challenges, you're probably, you're so at some shallow, point you're gonna you get
1: it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or you just haven't been smacked in the face with it. And you're going to get hit with a very, very big challenge, right? You know, or yeah, like you said, you're so shallow. Mm-hmm. You don't even understand, you know, what a challenge is or whatever, right? Or you haven't tried to do anything big, right? You know, I think that's the other right. thing. So many times people play small because they are afraid of failing.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, we have so much opportunity. Lot, we?
0: yeah. Well, I mean, especially in this space that we're in, right? I mean, the loan industry, I mean, it's such an uncapped income potential. There's so much opportunity. And yet you see that. I mean, the average loan officer makes, what, 50, 60 grand a year, whatever that number is. And this is not the type of industry that you want to be in and only make 50, 60 grand a year, as you mentioned. It's far too hard of an industry to do that, right?
1: Way too hard. Way too hard. Absolutely. You know, it's really interesting, too, just to see how people set themselves apart. And I think that that's really important in this industry. You have to be yourself, and we're all different, Mm -hmm. So, you know, people listening to the show, you know, you can sit there and listen to the way I do business and it might be intriguing. And I was in the habit for years of listening to the next best thing and trying to implement it into my business. And instead of just staying true, I mean, you have to adapt and change, right? But you have to adapt and change to fit your personality so that it comes off as real and sincere and not hokey.
0: Right. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. You talked about that, you know, being authentic, you know, and some of the things there. And I think that's huge, but I think too many times people do kind of chase that next shiny object or the next platform, you know, like last year was, what well, was a year or two years ago. It was clubhouse. Everybody's like clubhouse is the next big thing. So many mm-hmm. people ran to clubhouse and mm-hmm. it just disappeared. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, obviously you want to get on trends. Cause obviously, you know, we had someone on here about TikTok, you know, and it was like two years ago, it seemed like maybe that was going to be the next sort of, you know, just trend that mm-hmm. goes away. And, you know, now she's closing probably half her business from TikTok over the last couple of years. And so it's very real possibility of being able to do. But again, it comes back down to the foundations that she never changed those foundations, those things that work for her. This mm-hmm. is just a supplement to that business. So talk a little bit about that. I know you do a lot of coaching in terms of being able to help you know, some of the different loan officers get started. So like, what would you say something that you talk about in that regard? Well, I guess let's talk about mindset. I think that's one of the biggest things that, you know, determines people's success. Like, what is it that you do or how do you help loan officers with their mindset? I guess is the question.
1: Well, you know, one of my favorite subjects right now is just, especially now that we have the time to really pause and reflect. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we actually have enough time in our schedules to do that. Right. Pausing and reflecting on really, how have I felt about my business? I mean, like really, if you were to look at the people that you've worked with just in the last 12 months, wherever Mm. your business is coming from, where's it been coming from? How did it come to you? What about that business did you enjoy? What about that business did you not enjoy? I mean, this is really that time where you go, okay, my business is coming from here And this is what I felt good about, or this has worked really well, but this is what's not working so well or what I didn't like. So oftentimes, you know, for example, you spend a lot of time and energy chasing a realtor and you start getting business from this realtor and this realtor waits till Friday afternoon every single time because they're going to show a house on Saturday morning. And they forgot right. to tell the client to call you. And here you are, you're trying to get out the door. You've got a football game to go to. And I say football because it's that time of year and it's Friday Night Lights in Texas. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, that's a big deal, you know, we're out the door. And, yeah. you know, you're supposed to stop everything you're doing to get that pre-approval done really quick so they can go show a house on Saturday morning. Like, what about what's going on in your business that's affecting your life That's keeping you from feeling really good about it. Like it's time to really analyze that. Or is there someone that you do business with and it's so easy and it's so pleasant and they're always organized and prepared. You know, what about the way you're doing business is working really well. Before we were so busy, we didn't have time to pause and reflect, or maybe there's some opportunities that you hadn't really even thought about that, You did a couple of transactions with this referral source and maybe it was a financial advisor and you actually took the time to to work, you know, through how you could up your game on annual reviews, working with this financial advisor. You have time to now really analyze that. And then once you really pause and reflect and analyze what's worked and what's not worked, then it's a matter of really taking the time to put some good processes and systems so that you have the efficiency and the consistency, which then gives people the customer experience, the client experience that you want to be remembered by.
0: Right. So, you know,
1: and I think all of that has to go back to really being clear of who you are and how you want to build your business because how you build your business consistently over time becomes your brand. And it's just really time to pay attention to that right now.
0: Right, right. Now that you're not working 18 hours with refis falling out of the sky.
1: Yeah, we're actually having to work for business right now. So if you're going to have to work for the business, you want to do it in a way that fills you up, that makes you happy, that brings you joy and not brings you down. When you go home grumpy and mad and rushed and frustrated, it's time to figure out why.
0: And it's huge because I mean, that's like one of the big premises of the show is like, how can you, you know, flip the status quo where it's like, you don't have to be at every beck and call of every person that like, you know, every realtor that wants to do a pre-approval at nine o'clock at night. Now, every once in a while, you may have to, you know, do something like that. But if that is the trend versus the exception, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, unless that's what you want to do and that's the brand you want and you're the guy that works 24 seven, I mean, it is what it is. Like, you know, you do you, but you know, if you want to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk, go for it. But, you know, I know that most people don't want that, you know, they have families, they want to be able to have boundaries, but like, how do you go about, I mean, do you help your loan officers set boundaries? Like, what is it that you do in that regard?
1: Well, it's so funny because that conversation for me is just, I'm in the leadership space and I do coaching, but I also have my own production team. And, sure. and so I still am in the trenches and that's how I prefer to be because I have a hard time really coaching and leading if I'm not in the trenches as well too. Sure. I want to feel the pains. I want to understand the frustrations. I want to, you know... And that's a real conversation right now. And I think a lot of it is because the real estate agents are desperate for the next deal also. And so, you know, I'm at the point right now where that has happened two weekends in a row. And so what I had to do is have the conversation with the real estate agent. Hey, listen, I don't want to not be able to provide great service. And when I'm in a hurry, there's a lot of times that I make mistakes. And so for that reason, I want to have your clients prepared. So I'm going to get with you and I'm going to send you a reminder in the middle of the week that is asking, do you have anybody you're going to be showing this weekend? It's Wednesday. I have enough time to do a great job. Who do I need to call right now so I can get them ready to go house hunting this weekend? So, you know, my whole thing is if you can predict that this might happen, then you can preempt it from happening. So what do I need to put in place to prevent that from happening?
0: that's awesome. You know, and the one thing I'll say is for people like us that are, you know, maybe sales oriented details, maybe aren't always the thing. And so you got to understand that real estate agents are gonna be the same way, right? Like salespeople in general tend to be a little less detail oriented, more people, people, right? So they're just better with people and less interested in details, so they will forget the little details like oh crap this person is going out shopping this week and we got to get her pre-approved or we got him pre-approved and so uh, yeah putting something that sounds like you have some sort of an automated you know drip that goes out that says hey do you got anybody or is that a manual Yeah, text, text
1: message is the best way That's I mean it. I just have a scheduled text and you know if you go ahead and schedule the text out and change the wording just a little bit you could schedule the text out for six to eight weeks And just change the wording or add a different emoji in there or whatever it is. So it looks like it was something you just thought, hey, it is Wednesday. I almost forgot to remind you, you know, and you can blast text that out to groups. It's scheduled and it goes out as an individual text. It's just part of a system.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that's the thing that, you know, so many times people forget. It's like in order to grow a real you know business, because ultimately as loan officers, yeah, you might be W-2, but like you're still self-employed. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. You have to go out there every single month and go out and get your own business, right? And so Mm -hmm. you have to treat your business as a business. You have to put processes in place, systems in place, people in place, automations in place. And there's so many ways to do that. Is that some of the coaching that kind of goes into, you know, thinking about their future? Like what's going to happen next time we have a refi boom? Do you have Mm -hmm. the processes in place to handle the whatever Mm -hmm. extra 50% in volume? Is that what you're looking to have people Uh, think about as they're looking to grow?
1: I'm always looking at how do I leverage? How do I leverage my time? How do Mm -hmm. I get the most done in the least amount of time without compromising customer service? Sure. So everything that I do has got a process in place, which is why my calendar looks like it does, because there's no way I can remember all this.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I learned is you pretty much have to live out of a calendar, block time off. Because mm-hmm. the things that don't get tracked, the things that don't get on your calendar just don't tend to get done. Mm-hmm. And so- You have
1: good yeah. intentions. You just, right. your brain is only capable of remembering so much.
0: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I would say I probably have you know ADHD or whatever. And so I know that like on one side a superpower, on the other side is also like a big downside, right? Because like I Absolutely. just forget stuff. But at the same time, I have tons of energy and I'm great with talking with people and things like that. And so that I would say is like one of my superpowers. But again- I forget so much stuff. So if I didn't have a calendar, like I'd forget appointments. And, you know, there's just so many things that would happen. And I even put tasks in my Google calendar now because it's like an easy way Because I've tried to do things like, oh, uh, let's get a to-do list or let's do that. And so you have, but then there's something separate. Then you have to think about something separate. So I literally just started putting tasks in my Google calendar because I'm in it every single day. And it's worked probably the best, you know, way to create a to-do list for me has been just putting it in my calendar because it's like, it's there and you're in there anyway, which is- uh, That's the only
1: way I can function. And I really, you know, for a long time, it was overwhelming. Because there was, you know, I've just got everything in there. And I Mm. used to even hide the things that I was going to do for myself, like my nails or my hair or my massage or, you know, the things that I need for me, my me time. Self-care. I even put that in my calendar now and I don't hide it. I used to hide it under labels and pretend that I was out marketing or whatever. And I'm like, (laughs) screw that. Everybody's got to take care of themselves. And I'm not being a good leader if I'm not showing people the importance of self-care. So all I have to do is get up, get dressed, brush my teeth, put my makeup on, throw on a hat, and show up. And my calendar is going to lead the way. I mean, because I reverse engineer based on what I want my results to be, kind of like you know, Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. I know what the end is in mind. I know what my goals are. I know what I've got to do. So if I know what my goals are, then I know what my activities need to be in order to reach those goals. And then I calendar it out. And all I got to do is get up and show up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes it so much easier to not have to be, I mean, the, the decision fatigue, what they talk about with like Zuckerberg only wearing like, you know, one color shirt every single day or whatever, it's because he doesn't get the decision mm-hmm. fatigue. Same thing with this. Like you plan out your week in advance, you know, what your quarterly goals, your annual goals, obviously part of that comes down to planning and, you know, as salespeople and things like that, like typically that's also not a strong suit, but the longer I've been in business, the bigger my team grows, the more I realize how important planning is, how important, you know, projecting things, keeping people accountable. Like there's so many other people now you got to worry about and so you have to have those things in place. It's incredibly powerful when you learn how, I mean, I guess it's powerful and also a little bit sad how much time you're wasting by not having things calendared out.
1: You know, that is another big reason that I do calendar myself out. I am the biggest piddler in the world. Like My favorite thing to do is to not have anything to do where I can right. just do whatever I want to do, like Saturday mornings. When I get to drink coffee as long as I'd like to drink coffee. And I get Mm -hmm. to, you know, I live in a quaint little downtown in a historic district of downtown. And my favorite thing to do is just drink my coffee and then just take my coffee cup and just start walking the streets and in and out of shops and talking to people and eating whatever I want to eat. Like I'd piddle my entire day down. I'd do Mm -hmm. that all week long if I didn't have a calendar. Sure. So, yeah. And then I'd be broke and, you know, probably yeah.
0: jobless. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny you talk about self-care. I think that's huge. A book I read recently, No Rules Rules by Reed Hastings, who's the founder of Netflix. He talked about that concept of, right? Like when they first kind of came up with a lot of their principles, they talked about, oh, we're just going to give unlimited vacation. But one of the things that they started to see was that like, you talked about leading by example in terms of like, hey, taking care of yourself. And one of the things they noticed was like, if the leaders weren't taking those vacations, they weren't scheduling that time off, like, of course, their employees are not going to because they're not going to feel comfortable doing it. So like, they basically are forced to take vacations on a you know quarterly basis. And so they, they could see the correlation between the teams that their leaders didn't do it and the teams that they did and like how much mm-hmm. vacation time they were taking and time off. And so, yeah, it's huge. And especially in an industry like mortgage, I mean, it's stressful, especially over the last you know 24 months, there's been some of the busiest you've been most people weren't taking that great of care of themselves. I mean, it's pretty hard to, when you're working, you know, so many hours and doing so many deals and it's been so busy. And so how do you keep from being burnt out? It's like, you have to take care of yourself and do the things. Uh, We had that uh,
1: conversation on my team this morning because they are, I mean, you can just see it in their energy level mm -hmm. and we can't think creatively. And right now it seems like every loan we're working on right now is hard like yep. we are having to think outside of the box nine kinds of different ways. It kind of reminds me of playing whack-a-mole, you know, just as soon as you get a DTI issue fixed, you know, then there's something else that pops up. Right. And then they call because they just realized something changed on their job. So it's like whack-a-mole going on with every one of these loans. Right. And it's towering. It's really towering. And you can just tell they're just zapped. So we went from having too much business to now. We still have all these opportunities, but they're really, really hard and they're not turning into contracts fast enough. So you don't even have the reward of getting the deal. And so, you know, I told them, you know, I'm going to really think about that this weekend. Like, I think I'm going to shut it down for half a day, one afternoon and tell them in the morning, hey, listen, we are closing down at one o'clock, go have lunch and then come back at one o'clock we're going to go on a field trip and it's going to be a surprise and you don't know where we're going, but you need to be sure to let everybody know. It'll be, you know, whatever you don't get done before, then you will not do it until tomorrow and just go have some fun because they are burnt out. And then I, you know, we had the conversation, listen, they get vacations. Now, of course, as loan officers, we have to make ourselves take vacation because we're not getting paid vacations. Right. But I told them that their vacations are not meant to be collected. They're meant to be used. And so they need to also look at their calendar and I want to make sure that they've used up all their vacation before the end of the year. So get the calendar out and get some time on it because we've all worked too hard for too long.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the other thing too that people don't think about is like, I'm a big soccer player. I got hurt like two years ago. And so I stopped playing soccer. And so I didn't have like that release. And I kind of built up over time. And I realized, man, like I don't have anything. So I started playing disc golf. Like it was something totally random. I started playing disc golf and it was like the best thing ever for my mental health was just to get out and like enjoy the sun and, you know, throw a disc through the air and, you know? And so like for some people, it might be golf. For some people, it might be sport. For some people, it might be getting a petty or whatever it is, like taking a half day off. Like it is what it is. But like, what is it that's going to get you in that creative state? And so many times people think that by working more hours, they're going to get more done. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, that doesn't happen, right? Most of the time, you actually lose your productivity by doing that. And mental health is huge. Mindset's huge. You know, what would you say is kind of a you know, do you have routines that you do to keep your mindset? You know, do you do a morning routine? Do you have, you know, you know things like that, I, that you do I, on a regular basis?
1: You know, what's been real interesting is I just recently sold my house. Okay. I love my house, but it was just time. But this house had the outdoor space. I did not realize how much I would miss the grass, the trees, mm-hmm. the pool, the tree swing. The fireplace outside, you know, so we had outdoor living plus all of this space. And that was my go to in the evenings. Every evening I would pull up and I would go through the backyard just to enjoy the green, fresh air, green space. Right. And we moved, we moved downtown. There's noises, there's buildings, there's concrete everywhere, there's sure. people everywhere. And so I realized this morning I'm grumpy, I feel angst inside. But my time in nature is gone. So I enjoyed that in the morning and I enjoyed it at the end of the day. You know, it was like the bookends of my day. It was right. the beginning and it was the end. And I don't have that anymore. So, you know, I came to that realization this morning. I still take the time to ease into the morning and drink that cup of coffee. And I, you know, do my mindset routine with my husband, but I don't have the green space that I yeah. am used to. So I've got to do some thinking through that this weekend and figure out what I'm going to do for that green time.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And things that you don't think are going to have that much of an impact. Like I said, I started playing disc golf again, just on wow. a whim. It just with a thing. Mm-hmm. And I realized like, I would say it's safe because I was super burnt out from a couple of years of just grinding to start a business. And, you know, you, you got to work a lot of hours. You got, you know, you get told no a lot. There's so many things that happen during that time that like, you know, just drags on you. If you're not careful and you don't take care of yourself,
1: how many people in the grind, I mean, how many loan officers in the grind had good routines, they got busy grinding, and they haven't really paused to even reflect to figure out why yeah. they feel so burnout. out? You figured it out. How many have mm-hmm. not? I mean, so that's really the challenge to those listening. Like, if you're feeling those feelings, then what did you used to do to ease into right. your day or to finish the day or to pause in the middle of the day and go do you? It's, yeah, I it's agree. time to bring it back.
0: It's interesting, but one of my mentors always says, like, when you're feeling really good, really take the time to kind of like bottle that up and look at like what you're doing during those times that you're feeling good and confident and happy and all those things. So when you get to those low points, you're like, okay, let's get back to where I was. What were the activities and the actions I was taking during the times that I was felt good? You're probably going to the gym. You were probably eating well. You were probably not, you know, drinking every night. You were probably doing these things. And because of that, you, you know, you felt good. And so I think a lot of the physical body and, you know, Tony Robbins even talks about this is like a lot of the change starts with physical, right? Like even doing breathing and things like that. And this. It's a huge way. If you can change your state of your body, you can change your mindset. You can change the, your state of your being, which is huge. So yep. to kind of pivot a little bit into
1: go back to the mortgage space.
0: The premise. you know, just the premise of like, you know, going back. I mean, because I know you do training for real estate agents, things like that. What are ways that you kind of flip the status quo? Go and show value to real estate agents. Mm. Um, help your loan officers go out and show value. Like, what are some certain ways that you can kind of do that in order to, you know, stand out from everybody else?
1: So I was with a team lead the other day and, Mm -hmm. you know, I go into the real estate office once a month, you know, I get my 15 minutes dog and pony show. And she said, the one thing that you do and should continue to do to bring value is talk about the options, like the client experience for when customers come to us. I'm not just about the loan program and the interest rate. And anybody anywhere can go do a dog and pony show on, you know, we have the best service or we'll do a pre-approval in 24 hours or we have this program or we have the best interest rates. Right. But I'll just use an example. Right now you see all over the internet and on social feeds, everybody's talking about price reductions. Well, instead of the price reductions, do the temporary buy down or permanent buy down. Right. And that's a great conversation. And I'm a mortgage coach user. And, you know, to be able to take that mortgage coach total cost analysis and show them the benefit of
0: sure,
1: stop doing price reductions, do the buy down. This is why this is the effect that it would have. And, you know, we got to be aware of what we're doing to property values too by price reduction, so drastic, blah, blah, blah. But what if you go ahead and expand that conversation and say, you know, whenever people come to us and I'm looking at a loan application, I'm not just looking at this next transaction. I'm looking at the entire financial picture for this client. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Typically, they do not have a financial advisor. And so I really find that it is our responsibility to look at everything holistically. What can I do to help improve their credit situation? How can I educate them on credit utilization? How can I use this opportunity all right we've got a seller that's willing to reduce the price but how about instead let me show you what it would look like if you paid full price for the house and we take that price reduction we could do a buy down but what if we have a seller concession and with that seller concession now you don't need as much money for closing now what we could do with that money that you've set aside for closing what if we move that to reducing some debt and what interest are you paying on that debt like how can i really show them how it's not just about the transaction i really want to help them with the big picture of financing a home and how mm-hmm. to help that transaction get them ahead in the game of life so sure. you know when you can go to a real estate office and you can you know say you print out a total cost analysis with all of these different examples not that you're going to show a client five different examples, but you're telling the real estate team, right. this is what I do for your clients. No, I can't do a pre approval in two hours because I'm taking the time to really find the best way. What if this means that now, because of the way we shuffled the money around, they qualify for more house. Maybe we can take right. them from $500,000 because we saved them $200 a month in debt reduction. Now that you look in 550 dollars and they can get that fourth bedroom that they really need that now right. they couldn't afford otherwise because of the price, you know, interest rate increase. So, sure. you know, just showing value, I think, is just really explaining that you do way more than just loans.
0: Oh, that's huge. Because everything else sets you apart. Like the concept that we typically talk about is like the fastest turn times the best rates. Those things are semi commodities to a certain extent, Uh right? Like they're all Uh good reasons for people to continue working with you. But they're not necessarily reasons why someone would start working with you in the first place. So you have to show up in a different way. So you're actually being able to give value. So in that case, I mean, you know, when we bought our house in 2015, you know, we basically bid over ask, right? So the house was worth supposedly three, whatever, 381, I think is what it was listed at. We bid 390, Mm -hmm. they covered our closing costs, right? Mm -hmm. And so we had to come out of pocket with just the three and a half down FHA loan. So it was, you know, much cheaper. Like I, you know, I saved like nine, 10 grand or something like that on closing costs. Um, Mm -hmm. which was huge for us as first time home buyers back then. This was like, you know, way back, I had no idea what I was doing, you know, as a consumer. And so having that as an option and the fact that the real estate agent was even willing to like do that, I know a lot of real estate agents probably wouldn't even know that or like wouldn't even think Mm -hmm. about that as an option.
1: Well, and how many real estate agents have been only in the business for the last two years? They don't even know how to negotiate a contract. Right. So, I mean, you're educating a real estate agent whenever you can bring that kind of value to a conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, even the fact that you're using Mortgage Coach or, you know, MBS Highway is another good one that people use. And it's funny because like, you know, I remember the first time I heard Barry Habib speak, I was like blown away because it's like that concept of being more of an advisor and understanding their actual journey is so much more than... I got Mm -hmm. the lowest rate, but the truth is the lowest rate may or may not be the best thing for that person, depending on their situation, right? Maybe they're going to be in the house for three years. Maybe they're, you know, someone that would be benefiting from a, you know, a 7-1 arm or something like that, right? Maybe that's the best solution for them. Who knows? But if you don't ask those questions and you just push everybody in a 30-year fixed with the lowest rate, like, are you really doing what's right for them? Or are you just doing what's easiest? Because that's the easiest thing to sell. That's the easiest thing that people understand. Oh, well, fixed for 30 years. Yeah, that seems safer. But like, maybe that's actually going to hurt them in the long run. Who knows, mm-hmm. right? And if you don't understand who they are as a person and what their goals are and seeing what their goals are in 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, like how are you ever going to serve them at the highest level, right?
1: Right. And I think too, you know, but part of that is just educating the real estate agent that it's, sure. you know, it's gotta be a conversation. This isn't something you just text someone back and forth and shoot them a right. link, say apply online and I'll get an answer for you in, you know, in just a little bit. It's, you know, it's having that conversation. I'm going to send you my link, but when do you have some time so we can actually go over your information after I have what I need, you know, and just slowing that whole process down. It's amazing. I'm in the middle of this transaction right now where the real estate agent, actually, it's the seller's agent and the buyer is a real estate agent in another state. And I don't even know that her license is even active right now. And she wrote an offer. The seller accepted an offer and she doesn't even have a job in this area where she's moving. And so, you know, sometimes they just get in such a hurry to get someone under contract, especially right now, right? That they're not even getting the basics done first. So, teaching the agents why they've got to slow down and do it right is sometimes a challenge, but it's one that I'm adamant about.
0: It's huge. I mean, and there's, the Socratic what are the method. The on the line. Oh, 100%. And it comes down to actually, under, I mean, it's funny because I actually had a uh, a guy that was on this podcast, I don't know, probably 20, 30 episodes ago. But one of the things he talked about is our real estate agent actually reached out to him and said, Oh, I heard a lot of good things about you. So he gets in there, he has a conversation with her. He's like, Oh, man, we can close in 14 days. We can do this, we can do that. And the real estate agent was like, That actually sounds stressful. Like, I don't want to close in 14 days. I just want to make sure that the deal closes on time. And so he never got business from her again. Because again, like, same thing when you're dealing with a consumer, it's like, you actually have to understand what they want. And if you just start spouting off, I mean, you know, there's only gonna be a small percentage of consumers that are gonna understand mortgage speak. Like maybe 5% of people are gonna understand mortgage speak. So You gotta to speak to them in language that they understand as well, right? People start spouting off on DTI and LTV and yada, yada, yada. And like to them, it just is like, all right, well, I'm confused. I'm not gonna do this. Why would I do this? Yeah, this sounds um, hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what Rocket Mortgage does well. They understand that. The consumer wants fast, easy transaction. Like whether mm-hmm. that they deliver that, who cares? They understand that from a marketing perspective, that is what the consumer wants. Push button, get mortgage, right? That's what they think it is. Exactly. Obviously, we know that's not how it goes. It's a much more complicated process than that. But they understand human psychology, and so leveraging that in the way you interact with people, and also understanding that that's what humans are looking for is an easy. And if you complicate it by talking about techno babble, things that they don't understand it's this concept of the curse of knowledge, right? Like, you know, for myself in the marketing perspective, I talk about stuff. Sometimes it goes way over people's head. Same thing with loan officers. It's like we start talking about LTV and DTI and things like that. Like while you understand those things, they have no idea what those things are. So having that conversation in a way that they understand is huge, which will take you a long way. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. From a brand perspective. I mean, just education has always been my go-to, but You know, I mean, I grew up wanting to be a teacher and I wanted to be a banker. So you wanted to be
0: a banker, huh? You're one of those. I wanted wanted to be a
1: banker. banker. I wanted to be a banker to the point where I still remember the dining chairs that we had, you know, had Uh the bars on the back. And so I would flip it around and that was my teller window. You know, I would cut pieces of paper and draw dollars on it and people would come to my window and they'd ask for money and I'd give them money. So guess what I get to do every day?
0: Just basically the same thing, except we don't actually I'm get the, hand the money. i living the dream.
1: I'm living the dream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so funny. You don't hear that too often. Well, I, I'm checking it out. You got uh, the Can Be podcast. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. What's that all about?
1: I wanted a way to continue the mindset conversation and just really remind people that it doesn't really matter what you want to be. I mean, you could be sad. You could be happy. You could want to be, you know, queen of your town. I mean, whatever it is that you want to be. You can be it. You just got to know that that's what I want to be. And then it's just a matter of what do I got to do to get there? And so it's an empowerment. It's just an opportunity to have conversations with interesting people that are love doing it. some really cool things, just being what they want to be.
0: I love it. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I even started this because I love having conversations with good people that you know mm-hmm. are doing cool things. This fires me up. And again, it's a passion project of mine, but it just... uh I don't know. It's just fun to hear different perspectives from different people on things they've achieved and the way they've made it happen. And I think the come up story is always fun to me because again, you know, people go through hard times and come out the other end typically much better than the way they started. And so uh, oh, it's good. good f- yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the hardest times tend to give us the best lessons. And, you know, I know we've kind of briefly touched on that, but I love the fact that, you know, these platforms exist to be able to have conversations with good people and then be able to share that knowledge with other people. Cause you know, the more we can share the knowledge, the better everybody can be, and people can learn from, you know, some of our mistakes, right? Hopefully, they won't Absolutely. make those same mistakes, or maybe they I will, but at lot. least. Oh yeah, me too.
1: Um, <laughs> I've learned so, a lot. I've got a yeah. lot of lessons I can share, but I think too. I mean, what I love about the podcast world is it helps us feel connected. Of course, you got social. Sure. It's the connections that you make through podcasts are even at a deeper level. I mean, you see inside of someone's soul a lot of times through podcasts. So,
0: right. Yeah. yeah, fun. That's awesome. You know, in terms of just to kind of wrap things up as we're getting closer to the end of the hour, uh, if you were to go out and start again today, or just some sort of a tip, like what would be one thing that you would do today to go out and get business?
1: I would be more clear about the type of people that I want to work with. hmm. For a long, long time, I thought that I needed to work with anybody with a real sure. estate license. And what I've learned is that a referral partner doesn't have to be a real estate agent. It can be yep. anybody that I've connected with that has the willingness to share my information with anybody that has any kind of questions in regards to credit or budget or you know, just any kind of finances or real estate questions. Mm -hmm. And so the one thing that I would do differently if I had to start all over again is not put myself in a box and just get really clear about who am I and who do I want to do business with and what brings me the most amount of joy, because I think positivity attracts positivity. Mm -hmm. And so rather than feel like I have to work with a certain group of people, I would give myself the freedom to work with people I enjoy being around.
0: That's huge. And I think so many people don't think about that when they're starting. Because again, like when you kind of get started, you kind of have your hand out and you just say like, anybody who can give me business, but at a certain extent or a certain point, you have to determine like, who is it that you actually want to work with and setting those boundaries, you know, that's what's going to create a business that you want to be part of, right. And I think that's what's huge is so many times we build the business based off of what we think we should be doing versus what we want to do and right. mm-hmm. everybody else is growing their business they want to scale to 100 people under me yada 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 it's like is that what you want though you got to stop and say do you want that team or do you not want that and maybe you do maybe that's exactly what you want but yeah. maybe you want to be a solo person that only you know does you know five loans a month and you want to just chill or you do two loans a month who cares like it is what it is like what is it that you actually want and going after those goals i think you know to grow your business and, and you i think that- so many people don't do it
1: no, exactly. And I think the one thing that's really helped me make the tweaks and changes in the adjustments that are necessary, because, you know, as life goes, it ebbs and flows, right? There's one thing that's constant, and that's change. Sure. And so, you know, I really use the moon cycle to help me just remember, I'm a night person, though, so it's a little bit easier. And so this, you know, you could do the reverse for somebody else, but I like to watch the moon rise. That Mm -hmm. once a month is my pause time to just get outside, take a deep breath, drop my shoulders and just really reflect on the last 30 days. You know, how did I feel about those 30 days? What were the highlights of the 30 days or what in Mm -hmm. the last 30 days whenever I really reflect on it was maybe a bad choice that I don't want to repeat for the next 30 days? So, you know, if you really just pause and reflect every 30 days on life and business and relationships. And it's just that one some month, really, what does it look like for me now? And for the next 30 days, what do I want it to look like? So if I could end with any piece of advice that I think that is great for life relationships and business, it is just to take that every 30 days pause moment. The moon is in the sky. It's a cycle, just like Mm -hmm. life is a cycle and it's a big pause button. So just take those moments to really take a deep breath and reflect and recalibrate.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's something we don't do too often is like, we forget to reflect and also see how far we've come. I think that's one thing, especially if you're a go-getter and someone who has big goals and dreams. Like Mm -hmm. you you say, you want to get to a certain number, but as soon as you get to that number, it's like, all right, whatever. Like, I'm gone and on to the next. You forget to Mm -hmm. reflect on, man, I've come so far and I've achieved so much and I've achieved all the things that I, you know, two years ago would have been like mind blowing to me, but you just don't celebrate those things. So it's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, life is lived in the gap.
1: You know, the rest is just chasing dreams, but that life is in that gap. 100%. 100%.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. So, love that, Michelle. If someone wanted to learn a little bit more about you, you know, kind of reach out, you know, find your podcast info. Where is the best place that people can kind of reach out or find you online in order to get some more info?
1: So, if you just go to MichelleCastle.info, that's got a little bit of everything that I've got going on. I've got a love new it. venture that I just started called LivingLitCommunity.com. So, either one of those two places you can find me. Living, Living lit. lit livinglit, L-I-T, community.com. Love it. Yeah. Cool.
0: Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And thank you so much, Michelle, for being here. Some of the big takeaways for me was, you know, really kind of, uh, you know, leading with mindset and understanding that, hey... What is the type of business that you want to create? And if you're starting out or if you're a seasoned loan officer listening to this, you know, really kind of taking a step back and saying, what do I want to build from here on out? Especially now that, you know, especially if you've been in the industry for a couple of years now, it's been a couple of crazy years. You have the opportunity now to understand where you want to go and put those processes and systems in place and also understand like, all right, who do I actually want to work with? So those are the big takeaways that I got right from this conversation is be intentional with your business and where you want to go. It'll take you far. It'll also create a business that you want to be a part of, which I think is huge. Cause like so many times we build a business that we just don't even want to be part of, you know, it's just something that uh, maybe someone else said that I should be wanting, but it's not what we want. So thank you so much, Michelle, for being here. And for anybody who's listening, if you're looking for help flipping the status quo, go to flip And thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Loans on Demand podcast on LoansOnDemandPodcast.com. This is an I
1: Love Mortgage Brokering production.